What's going on, y'all? And happy Sunday and welcome. You're inside the room with Brandon McGee and a special guest today where we discuss politics, leadership, and culture. And y'all remember my, my friend, my colleague, the first Black Chief of Staff, which we're not going to talk about today. He's in his own stead today, Mr. Paul Mounds. Uh, he's joining me. He will serve as my special host, my special guest today. Uh, we got so much to talk about. Um, but, you know, what we've been talking about for uh, the past couple weeks now, and I would dare say um, post midterm, uh, is the importance of all of our Georgians getting out to vote for the midterm uh, elections that just took place this past week. And whew, when I tell you things got fired up there in Georgia, um, but before we jump into the conversation, and I really want to kick this thing off, um, talking about, you know, our takeaways from the midterm election there in Georgia between Reverend um, Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. Um, I want to make sure you all are still saving your nickels, your dimes, your money during this Christmas holiday. I shared a few things with you last week. Make sure you remember what I told you. It is important that we do not go broke this season, y'all. All right? Spend your money. Be a consumer. Help the economy, sure. But on the same token, make sure you're doing all you can uh, to, you know, save a couple dollars as you go into the new year. All right? Um, and I'll post on my social media platform some of those best practices. Uh, some of you really don't care what I have to say. You've already gone shopping. You've done the Amazon thing. You are all over the place. It's all good. All right. But anyway, what's up, Paul? What's going on? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, something different with your hair today. <laughs> yeah, I got two strand twists. You know, it's, it's, right. a little, it's a little different. I went to yeah. an event. I went to yeah. an event uh, last week and um, <laughs> one of the ladies says, are you Brandon McGee, uh, brother? And I'm like, uh, depending on what you're going to ask me, mm -hmm. <laughs> then I'll let you know who I am. No, but folks forget many years ago, Paul, I had dreadlock. Well, not I dreadlock, remember. I had dreads. Yes. And um, and my hair is just growing so long. Yeah, I was no. like, let me try these little two strand twists. I haven't had a two strand um, twist since 1987. Oh, my God. Here we go. All right. I'm jumping in. I'm <laughs> jumping in. So congratulations to. Um, my fraternity brother, the great Reverend Warnock, on his his victory. I would say a landslide, but it was far from it. It yeah. was far from a landslide. What's, what 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 is what's some of your takeaways from well, this? First of all, I put on my competitive athletic side. A win's a win's a win's a win. Yes, sir. You got to win. Um, the, uh, the, the the Georgia runoff situations which we've seen over the past two cycles something that you don't have all over the country like connecticut we don't have that type of situation mm -mm. um it's a very interesting aspect um so when you look and you see every race is done mm -hmm. and now everyone has a focus on this That's so right. even though the senate was determined already because of the outcome that happened both in arizona and nevada That's right. uh, for the democrats this is still an important aspect in terms of being able to get things done through uh, the process in the Senate and through Congress. And just, I, I give Reverend Warnock, Senator Warnock, a lot of credit 
in terms of how his team ran their race, how consistent of their message, when they figured out when to flip and switch their message. And I know we'll talk a little bit about that yeah. uh, in particular in terms of making the true contrast between Herschel Walker and the Reverend and how they did that uh, through various which, channels. Which, which to me, um, very interesting because when you look at some of the maps of you know, how they have the two different colors, red representing Republicans, blue representing Democrats. It it looks as if Herschel Walker and the Republican Party there in Georgia, they have a, their footprint is throughout the entire state. Yeah. Well, it seems yeah. as if Democrats are in like Atlanta, Augusta, Columbus, and a little bit on the outskirts. Yeah. That's it. But, That's but, it. But, at the, but when you think about it, those are uh, areas where there's high density of population. Yep. So I, I always love looking at these maps and he's like, oh my God, it's red over here, blue over here. It's, it's, it's red it's everywhere. Concentrated. Well, guess what? There's people in the concentration over the blue. Yeah. So I know for, um, hey, I'm a, as I tell people, I'm a northerner. Like yeah. I'm, from, I'm from Connecticut, born and raised, even though my I have family from Georgia. And like we're watching this race from the Northeast going, how is it even possible that someone mm. with the presence mm. and the approach yep. and the content mm -hmm. to run for public office mm -hmm. is Herschel Walker? Oh God. But 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 here's one thing that I want to say before 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 we unpack that. You know, Warnock's, I believe, his stardom, right? It rose a little bit over the past couple of days. Um, Warnock has, has been on the ballot at least five times in roughly um, a two-year span. Mm -hmm. uh, and he finished first basically each time, right? You say a win is a win. Um, and he's, he, 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 he did a great job doing what he needed to do to get across the finish line. And along the way, he's dispensed with three Republican contenders who will remain nameless. Um, it's, it's remarkable, at least from my perspective, um, that this feat for a political newcomer in two different political environments, um, and even more so for the first black person elected, you know, a Senator from Georgia, it is amazing to see how this man has has risen to the occasion and and been able to kind of galvanize all people from all walks of life, uh, particularly black folk there in Georgia. Um, and I'm always impressed by um, the ability of folks who are running for the first time. Special shout out uh, to uh, Congresswoman Johanna Hayes, right? She was, that was the first time she ran. Uh -huh. um, uh, one of the congresswomen from Connecticut, 5th Assem Assembly District. Oh, whoa, took me oh. back to oh. my seat. You mean 5th Congressional District um, for Johanna Hayes. But but getting back to Reverend Warnock, um, and shout out to Stacey Abrams. Uh, you know, thank, thank you, Stacey, for the work that you were able to do over these last eight years. And even before the, you know, the time you ran the first time for governor and the second time, I believe she has been able to awaken so many people who were asleep at the wheel. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's very interesting that Warnock's victory gives Democrats, as you've already said, Paul, their 51st seat 
basically an outright majority that ends sort of their reliance on Vice President Kamala Harris's uh, vote for tie-breaking purposes. It also ends some of the reliance on more moderate senators like a Joe Manchin That's, oh. as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With that said, obviously, we know the House is now um, in, on the Republican end. It's not a large margin, but it's on the Republican mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. But th- those aspects, every every vote within either the House or the Senate, it counts and it matters. It's, and it matters so much more in the Senate because mm-hmm. of their rules and their, and their setup. But when you look when you look at the races, races as a whole, mm. we, we were going in hearing red wave this, red wave that, everything of that sort. It's true. And it didn't come about. It didn't come about thoroughly as much as they expected in the on the House of Representatives. It definitely didn't come about in the Senate, Senate and it definitely didn't come about in uh, gubernatorial races where we've seen Democrats pick up two gubernatorial seats uh, in, the, in the midterm uh, election. The question now becomes... Wait, before, before you yeah. go to... Because I think that'll be a great segue uh, to... Um, sending sort of that message or at least informing conversations moving forward where do we go from here Mm -hmm. right but i want to i want to back into um herschel walker's um not his past but like his son you know he's been kind of sounding the alarm christian walker um you know Mm -hmm. lashing out about you know his father and and basically saying like we told this dude, he didn't say this dude, but he was mm-hmm. like, we told our father that this would not be a good idea. Um, and he basically, you can go to his Twitter page um, and you can read all of his commentary on Twitter, lashing out at his father on Tuesday night after his election loss. And I quote, he says the truth, Trump called my dad for months demanding that he run. Everyone with a brain begged him, please don't do this. This is too dirty. You have an insane pass. In caps, please don't do this. We got in the middle. No, no, no. I'm sorry. He says, we got the middle finger, Christian says. He ran and that was it, end quote. All right. So he's basically saying like, yo, we told our father that this wouldn't be a good idea. You don't have a chance in hell. But then... Paul, here's where the rubber meets the road in this whole ordeal. And I love to hear your your, your commentary. You're not on Instagram. I hope hope that you come back one day. But do you remember um, on Twitter, maybe it probably was trending, where they were just basically, he called himself a coon. Did you you read that? No. Yeah. Well, Herschel Walker called himself that word? Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. I don't, let me, you know, I, I <laughs> oh, God. Um, because that's a whole history lesson on understanding what coon means. Why would he reference himself that way? Whatever. All I'll say is, just because you're black does not rep- does not mean you represent the black community, and that's the same for Reverend Warnock. 
He, however, was just a better candidate, a person mm-hmm. who represented or represent, excuse me, the voice of the, for the people and of the people. And quite frankly, and I said this before, and this is my view, not the official FUBU radio, I supported Warnock and I pushed very hard for Warnock. Uh, not only did I donate, I encouraged people to make virtual phone calls, et cetera. So the fact of the matter is, and Joy Reid on, um, I believe her show is on MSNBC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she said, low quality candidate Herschel Walker, an insult to Black folk, period. The end. It, it, there's so much to unpack. I know. I, I know. would say this. You said you said you supported Warnock. He, he had the best campaign store for gear. I will say that a thousand percent, but that's a whole different story. Yo, um, yo, I, I ordered, I, I ordered. I, hopefully it gets to me. I didn't make it in time for yeah. the term, but yo, I loved his store. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, so let's just talk about Christian Walker. Like he, he felt that it was important to him mm. to speak out in such a way. Mm. And the interesting thing is this is not new. In politics, where family members or relatives speak out against their own relative for office. That's right. Uh, Family members see more about who's the character, the background, the reasoning, and the purpose of the individual who's running, probably most more than most uh, constituents. That's true. It's just the difference is we are in a day and age where there's a different way of doing it. Back in the 1800s, it was... Uh, taking out ads in the paper and writing op-eds uh, and such. Uh, in this day and age, you don't need to have an editorial filter of another person through a newspaper or such. You can just produce it yourself through the click of your phone, whether it's through Instagram, whether it's through Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, whatever the hell that is, and whatever, all the other stuff. Oh, you got to go to TikTok. I meant, no, stop it. It's like, come on, Stop. TikTok. Um, so, no, it's, I think for some, it was probably shocking for people like me who kind of studied this and mm-hmm. studied government and politics and campaigns. You, it, it just continues the cycle that we've seen since the 1700s in a lot of ways. But when you, it was just such a way that he did it. It was to make sure I got Reverend Warnock, that is. Huh? Yeah. Got it. No, I mean, I mean for uh, Herschel Walker's son. Oh. Be sure to get your attention and keep going and going and going. Like, I just read the article, another article where he basically said, I did what I had to do. That's it. But you know what? I stand corrected on the coon um, commentary. Herschel Walker used the word coon, okay, as a compliment. So he didn't call himself. Oh. He oh, okay. used it in his speech as a compliment. As a compliment. As a compliment. So it says a lot about. Let me just ask you this question. Besides this moment, when's the last time you used that word? Uh, never ever. In a sentence. Never ever. Perhaps I've read. <laughs> yeah, wait, would you read Tom you know, Sawyer? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, it, but in a, in a sort of daily average to date millennial conference uh, uh, no i'm no, not no yeah. but like but going back to what i said, was talking about before he is that wasn't this wasn't a blowout no he won by three percent yeah 
So now the question is, what are the learning lessons that people feel that they're taking from us? Do the Republicans say, you know what, we're going to keep it with the same type of candidate, but we just got to make sure to prime it differently? Or they just say, no, what, we need to completely go in a different direction? I, I have to go with your, your initial thought process on this. I believe that the Republican Party is going to tweak it a little bit. They see that um, the saying is like, when you see a little blood in the water, I, mm-hmm. I, they see opportunity. I mean, <laughs> sure, he won. But if we keep at it, Republican Party, if we keep at it a little longer, go a little harder, I think we can turn this thing around. I think we can actually do it. But I beg to differ. I am of the mindset, if people, people who came out to vote, not only twice, but those who voted for the first time in a long time, if we can keep them engaged by, by not only thanking them, Reverend Warnock and the Democratic Party, Mm -hmm. but passing laws and and meeting people where they are. So the farmers are in trouble. Uh, We have student loan debt or forgiveness that is still on the table. We have John Lewis bill, right? Voting rights, all of this stuff, abortion, et cetera. The list goes on. So the very issues that Reverend Warnock and others have run on, we've got to figure out how to elevate those issues, get those issues or policies passed, fund them, and continue to keep folks engaged. But it wasn't just the policymakers. And I know I've sounded a little preachy, but it's like there were, it was almost like all hands on deck. I mean, there were friends of mine that were not from Georgia. They were there physically door knocking. You know, so the same way we didn't take this for granted. And at some point, Paul, I want to talk a little bit about Stacey Abrams because it's like this dichotomy between a Stacey Abrams and a Reverend Warnock. I, yeah. Anyway, so we'll 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 leave that there. Parking yeah. lot that. Um, but I'm just really excited that the next six years, at least, um, Reverend Warnock will be he will be there. Um, and, you know, cheers to him, cheers to him. So if y'all just joining in myself and my special guest co-host, Paul Mounds, we're just unpacking the Georgia runoff 2022, uh, that just took place on last Tuesday. Was it last Tuesday? Yeah. Last Tuesday. Um, and we're just really excited. So congratulations to Reverend Warnock. Um, and I said this on a, another show that I was on, it takes, it takes a very bold uh, person to run for office. So, you know, kudos to all folks who put their name in for uh, public office. Not that I support you or agree with you, uh, but I commend you. So uh, at this point, I know y'all are leaving church or going to church or getting situated. You still have time. You still have time to share this link with your family and friends, download the app so that you can be a part of the movement here on the official FUBU Radio. Y'all keep it locked right here. Don't go anywhere. We've got so much more to talk about. Jamal Bryant, cannabis, and a few other things. Uh, we're talking Dion. Oh, we're yes. Talking, we're talking and Dion Sanders. Y'all been talking about Dion Sanders for a while. Paul will be on here and he's going to unpack this thing because I don't know anything about sports. So anyway, y'all keep it locked right here on the official FUBU Radio.
What's going on, y'all? And you are back inside the room with Brandon and Paul. We're here. Yes, I have a special yeah. guest co-host. Is that how you say it? Special <clears throat> co-host. Yeah. Special Let me co-host. ask this question. Let me ask what? you. A question. What? Since we're both from the great state of Connecticut. Okay. Is Pez candy? Oh my God. Is it candy? Is it candy? Yes. It's a piece of sugar that was hardened to fit mm-hmm. in a weird contraption where kids like you and I, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. like whatever. Well, what is it? Is it a delicacy? Like what? You, so not to sidetrack for your listeners, but I know how much they care about this. Oh like, so I took Paul, my son, Paul Curtis Mounds, yep. to the Pez factory in Orange, Connecticut. Jesus Christ. And learned the history. Do you realize that Pez was created as an alternative to smoking? That's why it was created. They gave people an alternative as like a social thing to do. Like me walking over with you. No, no, no. Pez is going to sponsor uh, a segment on this show. Because now you have all these folks. Yeah. It was was a casual thing. Like, hey, instead of giving you a cigarette. But did they pull out like a Pokemon or a super? No, no. See, they had they had uh, ones that were not with characters, and they realized nobody. It was, was a Tic Tac. Yeah, no. It was like how Tic Tac was, and so now they, they went more towards kids instead of adults. Why does this does this doesn't make sense? So you look mean to tell me L- L- little nugget? So you little mean to tell me that Pez P C? Um. Pez, home to Connecticut, Orange, Connecticut, their headquarters. Their U.S. headquarters, yep. U.S. headquarters. Everybody throughout the country buys their kids these little expensive, well, they're not expensive, but Pez. Yeah. Pez kids. heads. Okay. Yeah, and you're saying right that they, wow. So, <laughs> so you're saying that these socialites who would smoke, chain smoke, cigarettes, yes. this yes. was a healthy alternative to that? Yes. Wow. So sugar instead of cat uh, instead of nicotine. So the nicotine. Great. And guess what? Cigarettes went out, so they had to try to <laughs> figure out how to talk to kids. <laughs> okay. So if you're listening, please buy your kids Pez. Okay. Go to Pez.com. You can get some candy. There you go. Pez, send me a nice little package from my two daughters so that they can experience Pez. Pez. That would be a great commercial, right? Yeah. In other news, we, well, I witnessed um, this interesting clip, um, and I'm telling y'all, in 2023, I'm going to be able to, like a regular show, play back, like, clips, <laughs> audio clips. Um, there's any deficiencies. Well, don't, no, but I just... Don't want them that much behind the room. That's true. That, but when you're inside the room, you need to know what's going on. So anyway, um, Jamal Bryant, y'all know Jamal Bryant. Jamal Bryant is um, the pastor, senior pastor of a mega church there in Atlanta, Georgia, New Birth Missionary Baptist Church. Um, and I've known uh, Pastor Bryant for many, many years. As a matter of fact, uh, I was still an undergraduate a graduate undergrads, excuse me, um, at the Alabama State University, uh, one of the leaders in the state NAACP, that's the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, uh, and Pastor Bryant, then Minister Bryant, or Reverend Bryant, 
uh, was the president of the youth and college division. Okay. And um, he's ascended to greater heights and doing some amazing things uh, throughout the country and more recently there in Georgia. Now, homeboy, Jamal Bryant, the ex-husband of Giselle Bryant, she's gorgeous. Giselle Bryant. She is, she's on, um, what is it called? The Atlanta. A Real Housewives of Atlanta? No, maybe not Atlanta. I'm making that up. Of Paquanic or pa whatever. Anyway, we'll figure it out. Oh, Potomac? Potomac. Yes. So anyway, so she's still pretty. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> but just recently on, on an interview with uh, Rashawn Ali, Okay, a recent interview, Pastor oh, Jamal, yeah, Bryant, yeah, yeah. Pastor Jamal Bryant, again, who divorced Giselle Bryant in 2019, admitted that he's interested in starting a cannabis business at his church. Yes, you heard me correctly, at his church. Now, the pastor of New Birth Missionary Baptist Church there in Atlanta, and I quote, he says, I'm looking for people that smell like weed. Now, y'all can take that for what it's worth. As a, as a little church boy who still attends church regularly, all right, I suspect, and I, I, I this is just from my perspective, this is Brandon, I could be very wrong, and I will stand corrected if need be. But I believe the pastor is coming from, I believe, a good place in that he is implying he'd like people who are the least of these, those who are not quote unquote church folk, and that could be a part of the a part of, you know, God's territory, right? And 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 who who are we to judge folks? Now, Jamal Bryant continued. He says New Birth is the largest land-owning black church in America. He goes on to saying, my position to my deacons is, why are we not selling cannabis? Now, the 51-year-old explained, and I quote, I'll be able to bring in Black males. They're able to do it legally. I'm teaching them farming. I'm helping them to enhance the ecosystem. And this is the kind of conversation I'd like to have, he says. Anyway, so uh, for, for starters, I, I, I do, before you weigh in, I do want to say this as a former legislator, you know, and being a part of a legislature that passed, you know, laws that decriminalize marijuana or cannabis, uh, we have a legitimate system around medicinal um, usage of cannabis, and most recently, you know, we passed, you know, the legalization of adult use of cannabis here in the state of Connecticut. Now in Georgia, on the other hand, it's not legal. Weed is not legal. Cannabis is not legal. A few cities and counties have flaunted uh, the idea prior uh, to, to, to many other efforts, but they're still trying to decriminalize recreational use of, of weed. But these laws fly in the face of Georgia laws and federal drug, drug laws. So anyway, I am not condoning the, the pastor, nor am I saying it's the right thing to do for the church to take the lead on this. 
Um, but it's an interesting conversation when you talk about creating opportunities for, for men, for black folk. Oh, and by the way, Paul, before you jump in, he started um, the black, not black wall street, but it was a version of black wall street in Atlanta, Georgia, where he created a space for black businesses um, to thrive. Uh, and so this facility, I don't know the logistics of it, but the facility offers startups, entrepreneurs, an opportunity to come in and sell their merchandise, all black. And this is led by um, his organization. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's a that's a hell of a Passover to me. Um, <laughs> well, one, and you told me we we're going to have a conversation about it, so I had to do some looking and research, but... One, it's a hell of a recruitment tool. Um, I think one of the interesting things is this dichotomy that's occurring with the fast movement of changes of policy on marijuana and whether or not those within our church structure are prepared for that fast moving and whether or not they wanna stay stringent or they wanna stay flexible. I don't think there's really a middle ground <laughs> in, a, in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, well, we, we are seeing numbers that are showing as it deals with African-American males and their participation in church and with their uh, spirituality and their religion. And so while I give them credit for trying to come up with tools and manners to try to bring people in, you, uh, you have to question, is this a tool for economic revitalization of an individual, or is this right. a tool to ensure that their spiritual revelation is achieved? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, how, and really trying to question how you can honestly and thoroughly do both uh, in an honest manner. Mm -hmm. So I, mm -hmm. I, I I see where he's thinking. He sees a sense of an opportunity, but mm -hmm. at the same time, how do you keep it in alignment of what his overall goal is? Bringing individuals into the church, understanding uh, the lessons of the church, and applying it throughout their own life and in, in their interactions with others. And I mean, and and I agree with you um, a thousand and one percent. You know, there's a delicate balance between the two worlds of um, not evangelizing. Uh, I, that's not the word I'm looking for. But I believe like trying to figure out how to get people to come in, but also remain relevant, like on the right. same token, like a lot of let's be honest, a lot of black men were incarcerated because of either usage or the possession of, of cannabis. And here we are, you know, even in the state of Connecticut, as of January 1, 2023, thanks to you and others, right? Those with minor offenses, blah, 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 their records will be expunged right here in the state of Connecticut. So we are, we're moving the needle forward, but on the same token, I could hear conversations ago that I've had of folks saying, look, we want to be at the table. 
Mm-hmm. We want to be able to be a part of, you know, benefiting from revenue and growing and all of the above. Yeah. What exempts the church, right? Um, and so Jamal has always been counterculture mm-hmm. as long as I've known him. So it's very interesting. It's, it's I believe, a great start of a larger conversation. Um but hey, if you're one of those churches with the amount of land and popularity and I don't know, quite frankly, the number of people who attend your church and they agree with you, I guess, I don't know. Does it make it right? When it, when it comes down to it, when something becomes legal, it's legal. That's true. But, but, so, then, but then I could hear all of my theologians out mm-hmm. there. Um, um, and I won't even say my father-in-law because he's he he he's very progressive when it comes to this stuff. Um, this stuff as in the Bible, not, yeah. not cannabis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want him to be listening to this and be like, Wow, Brandon got me out there like I, I you know, enjoyed <laughs> cannabis. Um, but I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, there needs to be, and I'm not a scholar when it comes to, you know, dissecting the Bible and and yeah. what 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 the scripture says on cannabis. I do know what it says on alcohol. Yeah, right? I do understand mm-hmm. that. But on the same token, it's just like, hmm, it makes me say, hmm, and it, it goes into the whole like whole thing I said at the beginning, like are you have to make this decision and understanding of are you going to be strict in your interpretation? Mm. Are you going to have flexibility in its approach? Mm. And I, I I think it's a very interesting dichotomy that he's creating because he's saying this, this is out here. Yeah. Why are we not empowering our community in the, in, in the growing, the cultivation, whatever, maybe the selling of this crop. And I can also use this as a means to further push the mission of the church yep. into the community. Yep. yep. That's why I said it's, it's, it's interesting. It's not an easy path. But now, no. what, now, now this is just me being funny. Um, but like, on Twitter alone, the way folks are going in on him, you know, Jamal Bryant wants to sell weed in his church, exclamation point. You know, like, that's not exactly what he said, uh, but it's going to be interesting in, within the coming days. But I don't want people, what drives me crazy when we have these conversations is like people, people, commentators, pundits, um, podcasters like myself Oftentimes we take things out of context and we don't, we're not providing people with sort of the facts, the foundation, and then branching off, you know, with our commentary on what we believe. I do believe that as a people, again, we should be a part of those conversations and we should benefit, you know, from, from, from the cultivation to the selling, you name it. Um, and and Jamal Bryan is saying, look, I want to be a part of that conversation. Now, is it right or wrong? I, 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 I'm not quite sure. Well, first and foremost, it's got to be legal in your state. Well, let's, let's, start, let's there. start there. Let the, period. Let's start there. Let's start there. <laughs> let's start there. That part, that part, Paul Mounds, you got to be legal. So, Maybe he's saying Warnock 
Stacey Abrams, others in the great state of Georgia. Let's get this through the House. Let's get this through the Senate there. And let's see where we can go. I don't know. Maybe Jamal Bryant has something we don't know. I have no idea. But anywho, I wanted to talk about that because I thought it was important um, off the hills, uh, you know, on the hills of coming off this amazing election that's happening there in Georgia. A lot going on in Georgia. Uh, what's the song? Georgia on my mind. Who sang that? Georgia on my mind. Yeah. Come on. Was it Ray Charles? Let's say Ray Charles. Yeah. You're acting like I'm a, one of those young kids. No, all right. Well, I just think about it for a second. Um. All right. So cool. This is what we're gonna do. We'll go on another break, and then make sure y'all go buy some Pez candy. Got to. It's just, it's just, you just keep it in your pocket. It's, oh my, like you just, you just never know when you just need to, need to. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, 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 oh. One other thing though, before we go on break, special shout out to the founders of FUBU. Um, FUBU is now an exhibit in the Smithsonian. They're no in DC. Yeah. It's can pretty I curse? Cool. Did I, did I, I'm sorry. Did I? Oh, no, you're fine. I mean, oh. It's, it's on a Sunday. I mean, today's oh, it's on a Sunday. Great. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's absolutely amazing because I don't think the story, the full story of, of FUBU um, has been like shared with generations. Like people still don't even know that Puffy, you know, had his own clothing line. Mm-hmm. All of these folks, not a lot of them, but a lot of the artists, they had clothing lines well fubu was never like artists they weren't artists they were clothing designers um and it's just amazing to know that they've ascended to that level of like preservation within our history uh and so anyway special shout out to them i'm super proud of the guys keith and the rest of them keith is the founder of fubu radio uh, and that's my boss. And I'm so very, very, very happy to be a part of the team with him. And special shout out to, to Nate and DJ Sick Child, all of those folks who helped to make this show what it is. So anyway, y'all keep it locked. You will hear another voice when you come back, but we'll still be inside the room. All right. Don't go nowhere. Keep it locked right here on the official FUBU Radio. Welcome inside the room with uh, Brandon McGee. Yeah, this is not actually Brandon McGee talking right now. This is uh, Paul Mounds Jr., uh, Chief of Staff, Governor of the State of Connecticut, Ned Lamont. Uh, you probably seen me previously and heard me on the show talking about, as I like to say, a segment on sports. And as you know, Brandon doesn't know anything about sports. But I thought it would be very poignant, I know nothing. Nothing. Very poignant for our FUBU radio audience on the latest issue or thing that occurred in sports, particularly in college sports, particularly in our HBCU sports, the SWAC in which Deion Sanders, who was saying, I am SWAC, has decided to move on from Jackson State and take on a very lucrative job over for the University of Colorado Buffaloes and their team located in the Pac-12. I know there's been a lot of frustration that we've been hearing. 
the frustration, I think, has been on one side. Those who are saying, I thought Dion was coming to the SWAC and coming to Jackson State to provide more attention to the SWAC and more attention to Jackson State and our, our predominantly Black colleges in our nation in their athletics. I would argue he did. He came to Jackson State, a team that could barely win a game and turned him into a perennial winner. They won uh, the SWAC last year. Uh, they're undefeated this year, top, ranked top uh, in the top 10 in the uh, F, FCS, which is the football championship uh, series rankings in which they're, they're in of all those schools in those divisions. And they won the SWAC this past weekend, and they're going to play in the Celebration Bowl, which is what we call the Black College Super Bowl. He got Under Armour to become a sponsor there. He got a dead spin to follow a show and do a documentary on there. He provided funding back to Jackson State, so much so that he even provided $500,000 of his salary back to Jackson State and the athletic programs to upkeep everything. This was a man who was cutting the own grass of his own field, who was saying that the conditions were so bad that he's wondering whether or not his players can be, would, would get hurt before their games. They are being played on ESPN, and it's not just them. It's teams in the SWAC. You got all these other uh, historically black colleges playing on, on ESPN and all these other networks and being covered much more than when I was growing up when the only thing that I would see would be Grambling and Southern uh, playing down in New Orleans. So the question becomes, is Dion a sellout? Or is he an opportunist? Or did he fulfill his mission? So now the I, I, I just, I want to know, and I'm sorry, you're doing such a great job, and I didn't want to interrupt. But like, so as, as, as an alum of the Alabama State University located in Montgomery, Alabama, where, you know. A team in a SWAC. Team of the SWAC, who recently was in the news going back and forth with Dion and, and the coach there. There was a lot of heated words in exchange. But anyway, that's not the point that I'm driving home. Like, I am happy for Dion Sanders. I am very happy because at the end of the day, if I were him, I want to be able to, I don't know, move forward in my career and, and move up and do some things. But I'm also, as I've shared with you in the green room, I am biased when it comes to historically Black colleges and universities. And I'm just wondering, could there have been a way to include his influence, his affluence, uh, his money, if you would, that could help the overall sustainability of HBCUs mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to get into details of, you know, he had these kids commit, all of this stuff that folks mm -hmm. are talking, like, whatever, y'all. Like, y'all doing too much. This is not the first time that this has happened. But it's Deion Sanders, someone I think when you peel back the orange, <laughs> you know, be, beyond the rind, like, I think we respect him a great deal, which is why so many people are, quote unquote, offended, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not upset. I think he did what was best for him. Um, but you mentioned something, Paul. You said n not all 
coaches, and this is coming from someone who knows nothing about sports, but they don't stay long, right? No, they. So here's the thing. Like, I'll say this: I when I played college football uh, at the Trinity College um, in, in Hartford, Connecticut, my my coach after our undefeated season took a new job at Stony Brook University, going back home to Long Island and starting up that program and bringing them to the Division One level. Like, I we could have sat there and said, you know what? We're mad at him with this, this, and that. He fulfilled his mission. Yep. He left the place better than he yep. became there. Yep. I think I think so often we think that our coaches and our leaders are the Don, are Don Shula. <laughs> hey, Don, a lot of people only remember Don Shula coaching for the Dolphins, but they don't remember him coaching for the Colts and got fired. Nah. They, PA, everyone likes to talk about Bear Bryant. But they don't remember Bear Bryant was at Texas A&M before he was at Alabama. Everyone loves talking about Nick Saban. Nick Saban looked in the camera at Miami Dolphins and says, I am not going to be taking this job at Alabama. What did he do? He took the job at Alabama. When opportunity knocks, you got to listen. You have to listen. And what Deion Sanders has done is now going to change the coaching game on a hard higher level. So let me explain. This is a guy who was a high school coach. We can count on our hand how many uh, FBS head coaches in Power Five conferences are black. I commend Colorado who, who saw their situation, who could have went in a different direction after they just fired their black coach. Whoa, hold on. I didn't miss that part. So Colorado fired their black coach? They fired their black coach. And then replaced The last three coaches have been African-American. Oh, okay. So So Colorado could have said, no, we're going to go in a different direction. We need to figure out this program. They decided to take a big splash on someone who has shown that he can coach football and empower programs and motivate men. That's what football is about. It's not just about the points on the board, but can you turn these 18 to 22-year-olds into men? Wow. Good fathers, good citizens in the world, believe in community, believe in benevolence, believe in others. You sound like you played football before and you coached. I played football before. I was an all-conference player. (laughs) <laughs> what does that mean what does the swack mean what does all this stuff mean what does it mean here's what it means jackson state is will be a is a better school than it was four years ago the swack wow. is a better conference than it was four years ago why because you're going to be able to get people there and he brought such a focus to let people know and let kids know it's all right to be playing at our historically black colleges mm, okay People okay. don't talk about what he did for the whole conference in those other schools. Those schools get a portion of those monies from the conference for the TV revenues. Hmm. These, there's this, he gave them a foundation to build up from. And we've had some amazing football in the SWAC. We've had some amazing football in our historically black colleges. We can go through the names of individuals. We can talk about the Steve McNairs. We can talk about the Walter Paytons. We can talk about the Jerry Rices. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But what was going to be done to continue the, the foundation going forward? It's a better conference than it was three years ago because of Deion Sanders. And now you're going to see have him go to Colorado, a team that won one game last year, a team who's one of the original, original Nike schools. Nike as in the brand? The brand. Hmm. When Nike started sponsoring schools, one of the top schools that they chose was Colorado. Colorado has won national championship. They might have been in 1990, but they've won. Their facilities are amazing. Boulder's a beautiful place. It's a good college. They might, have to, get, they might have to get used to the swag, and they might need to get a better band. But I will tell you this at Colorado. They took a huge swing by bringing Deion Sanders, and we should commend that college and commend that athletic director for doing so. And now Deion has to produce. Well, it sounds good. I'm happy for him. I wish I could be as passionate as you on this. But, like, I need to be messy just just a little bit. So, like, the swack, I remember the comment. Basically... Coming off an intense 26 to 12 victory against my school, my alma mm-hmm. mater, Alabama State, uh, Jackson State coach, Deion Sanders at the time. Eddie Robinson Jr. <laughs> hey, that's my coach. That's my coach. Asked the question, who is swack if I ain't swack in a media press conference? Yes. That came after Hornets head coach. Johnson, I meant Robinson, excuse me, mm-hmm. Robinson Jr. took a shot at Sanders saying he ain't swag. Now, why didn't he say he wasn't swag? So now here's the now I'm happy you brought that up. When 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 you are a game changer and someone who's changing the system, you will have people who will question your sincerity. Mm. Deion Sanders is a person who on the sideline wearing a shirt saying, at Coach Prime, he's walking. He's a walking Twitter advertisement. That's different than the coach. Most coaches Ooh. don't make it about them and the focus on them. They make it about the team. I didn't think what Eddie Robinson Jr. said was incorrect. That was from what he's feeling. Eddie Robinson Jr. played in the swag. Yes, he did. Yes, he, he drink sleep the swag. Yep. He came back and coached in the swag after being an NFL player. Yep. So I don't blame him from looking at Deion Sanders saying, you are a visitor to my home. You played at Florida State. You played at the Cowboys and you played baseball, this and that. You don't know. You haven't. You just knew the swag existed three years ago. <laughs> so what Eddie Robinson, and I know Eddie Robinson had to apologize and they made up, but I, what he said after that Turkey Day classic loss, and I see you know I knew the name of the game. No, I, I know my swag. That's that's a big that's a big time game. Down it's a big time game with the, with the Hornets. That's right. It's a halftime. It's crazy, but right. he had every right because he was speaking his truth. Mm-hmm. His truth was, I have eat, drink, sleep this conference mm. before you even knew it existed. You ain't swag. Dion being Dion turned it into a marketing campaign. That's right. Sold t-shirts for like $32 at the JSU bookstore. But that's what Dion does. Well, I ain't mad at the man. It got him a nice contract moving forward. I'm not so, mad at him. 
But here's the, here's the thing when you get the big contract, you got to get big results. And the thing about Dion, he's done this, and I give him credit. Name me a moment in which he allowed his mouth to produce a check that he couldn't cash. You asking the wrong person. I don't this know. Is, this is a man who was a two-sport athlete. He played baseball and football in the same day. Wow. He played a regular season football game and then played in the World Series. Wow. This is this is a guy who can who went from swinging at 95 mile per hour fastballs and then defending Jerry Rice on a Sunday. He's one of the greatest athletes that we have ever seen. He's one of the greatest show people has ever seen. He's one of the most confident people has ever seen. But the one thing that people don't really talk about is he's one of the greatest producers. I, you know, I'm used, to, I'm used to Emmett Smith on the Dallas Cowboys and others. I don't know anything about Dion like you do. Well, I'll like, tell you this about Dion or the Dallas Cowboys. When the Dallas Cowboys couldn't get past the 49ers in the early 90s, know what they realized? We what? needed Dion Sanders. Wait, did you see this plays? He played they brought on. Him in, and guess what happened? Guess who was defensive MVP? I guess that. Oh my God. They brought Dion in. Wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so wait. Let's take a quick break and come back. I really want to. Can you just break down like his contract? And then, oh, yeah. We're running out of time. But I, this man is making like $5.5 million a year with like extra bonuses, et cetera. So, anyway, um, you want to close this out and bring yeah. us back? Well, well, we're we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back and talk about a little bit more about Deion Sanders and then close the show. You're inside the room with Brandon McGee with guest Paul Bounds Jr. right here on Fubu Radio. Welcome back to Inside the Room with Brandon McGee. I'm Paul Bounds, uh, guest for the day. We're going to finish up our conversation about Mr. Deion Sander, Mr. I ain't swack, but yes, I am swack. Sanders, primetime coach prime. <laughs> so coach prime had a three-year contract making about $2 million a year uh, over at Jackson state. And he was given $500,000 that back to the athletic department to make sure that they can keep up facilities and everything. This is Deion Sanders. This is Deion Sanders. Deion yeah. Sanders just signed a, uh, Five-year, uh, $29.5 million uh, contract uh, to coach at uh, University of Colorado. One of the greatest things that was said by their uh, uh, athletic director of uh, Colorado, uh, Rick George, when asked, he goes, we haven't, we, we haven't secured all we the, got money the money. <laughs> we got the money. And so for, for, for us layman's people, let me explain what that means. Oh, that boy. means uh, I don't have that money budgeted in our athletic department budget. However, I need to get on the plane and go talk to some boosters. That's it. And bring that money in. That's it. And we ain't talking about boosters in somebody's store boosting material. We're no, talking we're, about we're talking about individuals, individuals. lots and lots and lots of money to make sure. Uh, football programs are successful because exactly. guess what? That is how the game is played. Let me tell you a little something about it. It's, it's, so people are going, you just said, man, that's a big contract. Okay. You think that's a big contract? Um, so how much do you think Nick Saban makes? Nick who? Nick Saban. I don't 
know these people. Nick Saban, national championship coach, Alabama, multiple national championships. He makes $9.3 million a year base. So that's minus all of the extra incentives that a Deion Sanders would be getting. So that's, that's basically almost close to an all-in contract with Deion Sanders, but there's also bonuses for results, whether it's the academics of his students, whether it's they win a conference championship, they make it to a college playoff, they make it to bowl games, things of that sort. College football is big, big, big business. I see. I mean, we're talking, so you're saying he gets about five and a half million dollars that includes a $500,000 base salary, right? Plus 1.75 million for radio, television, and mm-hmm. appearances, yep. and increases of a hundred thousand per year, like mm-hmm. all of this great stuff. Right. And he's worth it all. But then you break it down a little bit more and I'm literally just reading. Okay. From some website. Um, and it just breaks down, like you just said, 150,000 if the team wins six games in a season, 100,000 for each additional win with yes. win after six games. Like these are additional incentives. Yeah. Incentives. Wow. That's, wow. And here's the thing those are the norms, college football contracts. I'm not upset. Because after you just provided us with the historical context or background of Deion Sanders, brother is worth it. And he produces. I will say, I will say this. The book hasn't been finished yet. That's true. He's only been a coach in college for three years at Jackson state. Before that, he was at a high school that uh, he was running um, where he was uh, coaching. Now he's coaching at the higher level. Now he's dealing with the Nick Sabans and the Dabo Sweeney's of the world. Mm. Now he's dealing with the Jim Harbaugh's of the world, the Brian Kelly's of the world. But the interesting thing that he has is, let's when you look and watch college football, Division One college football, when you got eleven guys on one side, eleven guys on the other side, what does it look like? a lot of african-americans on that field mm-hmm. who can go into that who can go into that uh into that house they convince big mama to let their son play for them was was connection was coach bill mccartney was he black or white no bill mccartney was white bill mccartney was the last coach to win a national championship uh at colorado um he was a hell of a coach. He, uh, after a while, he decided to focus more on his um, his ministry and his um, and his faith and, and, and mentoring, and decided mm-hmm. to get out of coaching football. There's an amazing thirty for thirty documentary called The Book of Mac, based upon him. I highly recommend everybody watches it on Colorado, so you can just get the understanding of how crazy it is that someone like Deion Sanders was brought to Boulder, Colorado. When Coach Mack decided to increase his recruiting and really go into the hardest areas of California uh, and Texas and others and bring in African-American men into Boulder, Colorado, the mm-hmm. community wasn't ready for it. And Coach Mack had to figure out how to ensure that his kids did not go off the track. Wow. 
and how to maintain a high quality football team talent wise, but also high quality men off the field. Wow. It's, 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 it's a great documentary. I hope everyone watches it. It has more of a context now that Coach Prime is going to Colorado. I think one of the interesting things I'll also add about Coach Prime is he, he said this line in front of his players that a lot of peop, people didn't like, his new players. Well, here's my standards and this, this, and that. If you don't get on board, like you can go ahead in the, the transfer portal because I'll tell you right now, I'm bringing my baggage with me. I'm bringing Louie. Mm. So he's basically saying, if you are not going to be part of the system, don't worry about it. I'm going to use your spot because I'm bringing people in. Wow. And so a lot of people who are sitting here going, oh, my God, that's disrespectful. Blah, blah, blah. Hmm. I've, I've, had a, I've had coaches basically say, uh, this spot's not guaranteed to you or this or that. Yeah. That was normal football coach talk. Well, because they want they want to make sure you're not getting comfortable. Yeah. But here's the other thing. Like, but Prime probably has cameras too many places. Like that type of speech has been said by many college football coaches. Mm-hmm. So many. There's college football coaches right now trying to determine whether or not they're telling the kid, hey, there's not a spot for you on the team on the squaster. You should go in the portal. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, those the conversations portal? happen. What's, what's the ah, the transfer portal? Ooh, the transfer okay. portal yeah. is basically the, the NCAA has now allowed for individual players to not have to sit out a year. If they transfer, they can play right away. And you go into this portal. And the portal basically just puts your name and everything and coaches can go through it and basically figure out, do I want to recruit this kid or bring him to my school? I am so overwhelmed. It's the wild, wild, wild west. So let me ask you this. And I should have asked you um, in the, during the last segment. So just going back to Sanders and like the significance of Sanders um, leading a department athletic department as the head coach football coach there at Jackson State University and now leaving like we both agree that his leaving was good like this is amazing right yeah it, it, it's it's a but, but, but do you think he should have done it in a way to help sustain sort of like given what we know about HBCUs and how HBCUs are oftentimes the underdog in a yeah. lot of financial, television. I mean, you name it. We're always sort of like, we produce the best players and talented athletes, but do you think we could have benefited a little bit more from Sanders' presence, his ability to put us in places and spaces that we would not otherwise be? Um, I I think he's, the question that you're going to have to start asking yourself, how long was he going to keep up what has occurred over the past three years. Mm. It's almost been a meteoric kind of shock to the system wow. with Jackson State and the notoriety and the recruits he was getting uh, and such. Um, I think the next step that he was going to have to take at Jackson State was going to have to play some non-conference games against some maybe mid-major or higher level division one teams to really see can your boys and these teams can really compete and mm. might do what is called uh, a buy uh, a buy game where somebody pays them to come to their their field to play them and see what he can do um i don't know how long he was going to be able to keep up the process at jackson state i'll be honest with you i think it was going to be important for other teams to start 
getting momentum. And you see that with Tennessee State University bringing in like an Eddie George. You see that with Alabama State, your school, bringing in Eddie Robinson Jr. Mm. Like they were starting to create this place where there's going to be coaches with name recognition uh, of sorts. Yeah, but it ain't like we can afford all of that. Well, that's an HBCU. I think it was going to have to be uh, a, a hell of a shock to the system in a lot of ways to be able right. to get You're right. a lot of sustainable money to come in. Uh, so we, we, we've got to invite you back to help us break this thing down because there's a business side to this. Oh, yeah, I love the business um, side. But I, I would love to, first of all, I'm going to reach out to uh, Coach Robinson to see if he would be willing to come on the show and to talk a little bit about not you ain't swag. No, but don't talk about the history of the swag. Yeah. Talk about the, the yeah. history of what it means to we be to. an African-American football player and play in, like, in a predominantly Black conference. It's true. Like, yeah. like yeah. obviously, we're in the Northeast. We don't have um, HBCUs. No. Like, the nearest HBCU is, like, everyone from Hartford go to Howard. <laughs> right, right. Or Hampton. Or Hampton. Yep. But uh, there is a history, and we're at this day and age in our country, for all of us, where we need to have a better understanding of our history. There you go. Key there point, you. our history. Right. Yep. And listen, on that note, I think um, it is definitely important uh, as we close out this year, um, and we've got a couple more Sundays left, that folks not only talk about the history of of football, uh, but I want to encourage each and every one of you to spend time with your own families uh, and understanding the importance of your family's history. Um, oftentimes we don't sit and relax and just kind of talk. Um, and, you know, and everything, and it, it ain't got to be deep, y'all. You know, uh, one of the things that uh, was really interesting uh, that I'm now sharing with my kids, my mom was never interested in Elf on the Shelf. Yeah. And and all of a sudden, you know, I am here doing this, these crazy activities with this imaginary thing. Um, and, and we're having a ball, right? We're having a blast. So I want y'all to not only share the history, but tell stories, have fun and do what you need to do. Um, we've had fun today. We've yeah. had a lot of fun. Hopefully, Paul, you'll come back, talk a little bit about leadership. Uh, because that's something that you've been able to hone in on and do, you're doing an, an amazing job. Uh, and I, I need you to drop a few nuggets so folks can understand the importance of leadership and the different styles of leadership. Um, so we'll have you back on. Uh, but until next time, y'all keep hope alive, do something for yourself. Uh, make sure y'all go shop, but also do something for your, yourself. Do something for yourself. All right. And until next time, I love you. Peace.